more difficult ones for me to preach because I am, uh, I am at the core an introvert. Uh, some of you would go, now nah, you just, you know, you get along with everybody, you talk to everybody. Listen, I love being by myself. Uh, I get energy being by myself. And I'm the kind of person that um, when I say I'm an introvert, so you're, introverts, you're going to relate to this. Extroverts, you won't get this. Uh, we are at a party, and as the party is taking place, uh, there, there, there's a conversation circle going on, and the introvert is standing in that circle, and while the conversation's going on, we're formulating in our minds exactly what we're going to say. And before it ever comes out of our mouth, this is the important part, before it ever comes out of our mouth, we've got to know that it's precisely right. So when it's ready to come out of our mouth, the conversation has already moved on. See, some of you can really relate to that. And so when we talk about uh, speaking in tongues, in fact, one of the things I'm going to do here in a few moments, I'll come over and get it now, is I'm going to, uh, I'm going to show you how the miracle of language is very much a reality. The miraculous God showed himself miraculous through Pentecost. And what happens in our world is we read scripture and we formulate ideas that become walls that ultimately what happens is they protect or they become a self-serving barrier or inhibition that protects our personal agendas. And ultimately what we do is we hinder or even block God from making himself known to people who have grown numb because of their own wickedness. So today, if you'll, if you'll let him, he's going to bring some walls down that will allow him to be made known in and through your life. And so with that, I want to pick up and re start reading from verse 5 of chapter 2, the book of Acts. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who speak, who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, uh, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phygra, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God. And they were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others said, but others mocked, or mocking said, 
they are filled with new wine. So here the, the Bible records people from every nation under heaven hearing them speak in their own language. Here's a, just a reality of life. You already know this to be true. I'm not going to be having any moment where you go, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Communication is just difficult. It's tough. Here's why it's tough. We say our words, or I say my words, and you hear your words. You say your words, I hear my words. I'll give you an example. When I was uh, just a 12 or 13, we had went and spent a week at my uncle's cabin, which was on Mercer Island, so you had to go across the Puget Sound in Washington to get there. And uh, he had a couple boats, and so, you know, there are times where we just take the smaller boat out and just go do figure eights out in the Puget Sound. And then one day we spent all day doing nothing but water skiing, and I absolutely loved it. I don't know how long I water skiing. It seemed like all day. Every time he just launched that boat, I'd just pop up out of the water and I'd just go. The next day our plans were to get up really early and go fishing, and so the alarm went off and I popped up out of bed and I got ready, and we went out on the boat, and we're going to where we were going fishing. And my Uncle Glenn turns to me, and he says, boy, you're easy to get up. Now, in my mind, I had just been replaying all the times that I was uh, skiing the day before. That I, I never had to struggle getting up and out of the water. But what my uncle was talking about, as I'm feeling all good about myself, is that I got up out of bed really quick. He had no trouble waking me up and getting me ready to go fishing. He said his words, but I heard my words. And what that does is it causes us to be just a little bit separated in our ability to, to be uh, in honest, authentic, good relationship. Even when we are, uh, for example, reading a sentence and it's spoken, uh, for example, if you were to read a sentence that said, I didn't say Mary stole the purse, what comes to your mind? What was just said? I want you to frame that just for a moment. I can say that sentence a number of different ways and end up with a number of different meanings. For example, I didn't say Mary stole the purse. 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 See how difficult language is? So many different nuances that come into play that ultimately separate us in our place of relationship. I've done enough marriage counseling to know that one of the biggest challenges to marriage, especially early on, is communication. goes a little bit like this. Even after 25 years, the wife comes out and looks at the husband and says, you just said you don't love me anymore. And I feel like you're going to leave me. And he scratches his head and he said, no, I just said I wasn't going to buy you a Land Rover. He said his words, she heard her words. 
And so even at Bethel, we try to do some things that get common language. That's why when we, we preach, we preach about connect because that first part, we want to want everyone to connect to, uh, to a belief. We want to make sure that every person is inspired and informed with Jesus and life with one another. Talk about grow, how we are, we are ultimately trained and we're transformed. As you, as you um, connect more and more to Jesus, you just become more and more like him. We use the word go. We, we use words like ministry and mentoring because when you connect to the Lord and you become more like him, this ministry and mentoring others becomes a behavior that becomes natural to us. Why? Because we're becoming like Jesus. And as you saw on the video for the missions, you couldn't just listen and understand what was being spoken. You had to read the titles across the bottom because ultimately language all around the world separates us at some level. Here's really where I want you to connect with this morning. Simply this, that the Spirit uses the miracle of language to unite the nations. The Holy Spirit uses language in a miraculous way to unite the nations. Every nation under the sun became united because of the miracle of speaking in tongues. Now, what, what, what is a miracle? A miracle is very simply something that is beyond our human limitations. In 2008, uh, University of Pennsylvania, uh, using modern technology, was able to scan brains while people were speaking in tongues. And they recognized that there was a spiritual component because the normal part of the cognitive function of the brain, which actually is the left part of the brain, allows, uh, causes a person to be able to speak any kind of language. So if you speak English, that's what would come out. You'd speak English. And it requires an activity of your brain. Now, as you looked at, at Acts 2.4, we speak in other tongues as the Spirit enables us. And what they found was is that the, the cognitive ability to speak language was not actually being used as the people were speaking in tongues. It became a, a mystery in the and understanding how that could happen. Now, this is where, for me, it gets really difficult. I pray in tongues all the time. But praying in tongues in front of you is really awkward for an introvert. But I'm going to do it because I'm going to show you that my brain is actually not conjuring up what's coming out of my mouth. So I've asked God to come and help me. And she's, uh, since she's a, well, basically a teacher. I asked her to come, and behind my back, I said, I want you to come, and I want you to, I want you to write so everybody can see a, a, a math problem that's division. Uh, it, it's not going to be overly complicated, uh, but, and, and I'll, if depending on what it is, I'll take it out to the first decimal. I'm not going to go out forever if it's the point three 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 kind of thing. But I actually can, because I am doing a miraculous thing empowered by the Spirit to speak in an unknown language. Did you get that done already? Okay, go ahead and do it. I'm not looking, so I won't know when you're done. 
because the Spirit is enabling me to speak in other tongues, my brain will be able to simultaneously solve a math problem. In fact, when Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says we should pray in the Spirit and with understanding because there is a part where your brain actually isn't active. I don't want to say brain dead, but it's not active. And so when you're, when you're praying in this, this, this miraculous language, you are able to do other things simultaneously. Ready? Okay. Again, I, I don't want to give myself a head start or doing, I'm going to need the, the dilly do here. Yes. This guy. So when, so the, probably the most common form of speaking in tongues that, uh, that comes quickly for me is the Spirit begins to enable me. I don't know the origin of it. I don't know if it's, a, if it's a heavenly language or another earthly language. But I just begin to praise the Lord. I'm going I'm to continue to do that. And while I do that, uh, I'm just going to turn and I'm going to solve the problem. So we just, I just praise you, Jesus, and thank you for enabling me to speak in an unknown tongue. And so, Father, I just ask that, Lord, you would fill me fresh. Now my my multiplication, I got to get that in my brain, period. Boy, I, I asked for, a, that's why I'm having a problem. I asked for a three number, not a four number. And it caught me off guard. I am sorry. Uh, I, know, I know that it's 12, but I'm just uh, having a problem with this uh, other part here. I'm going to get you for this, Donna. For the sake of time, you get the point? You can see the, the you know, seven times, seven times 12 is 84. So this, uh, the, but, it, but why am I able to do that? I'm able to do that because that what's taking place that it's coming out of my mouth is an actual miracle. It's beyond my human limitations. And this is exactly what they were experiencing when we're reading in Acts chapter 2, verses 5 through 13. They're hearing people speak in a language that they could understand, but they couldn't understand why it was. Now, you may be here going, well, this is just weird and different for me. You may be perplexed. You may be amazed. You may leave this room, and you may do exactly what those people did. They didn't go to the, to the um, apostles and get their questions answered. They asked from each other, what must this be? What's going on here? 
And a lot of times what people do, they don't go to the, to the place where the miracle is happening. They go to the place where they're most comfortable talking to people. Doesn't mean that they necessarily have the answers. And some people, they wanted to, to know more. They wanted to, they wanted to be in a place where they could understand which you know, you begin into, we'll talk about this next week, where now Peter begins to really move in the prophetic and begins to preach. But for, for them, they were at a place where they were going, this is unique. This is different. And what you find is that ultimately it united 3,000 men from different places around the known world around an experience that was different than anything they ever seen. There's a principle in this that I really want you to get. And, and you find this to be true in scripture and you find this to be true in life. When people have the same experience, it's more powerful than when they share the same belief. In fact, why don't you go ahead and bring that up there, Aaron. Aaron, thank you. The, there's a difference between having the same belief and having the same experience. Acts chapter 15, the, they've reassembled in Jerusalem and the unthinkable has happened. Gentiles has got, have gotten saved. And they're, and they're like, we don't know what to do with this because Jesus was a Jew, we're a Jew, he came to the Jew for the Jew. And Peter stands up and he's, he basically says to all of them, well, they all prayed the sinner's prayer. No, he didn't say that. He didn't even say, well, they were all water baptized. They were, but that's not where he went. He said they all spoke in other tongues just as we did on the day of Pentecost. What united them with Gentiles who were so profoundly different from them was not a theological belief system, but an experience that was miraculous. And when you think about God's plan for Pentecost, it is not theologically um, set in motion. It's experientially set in motion. The plan that God has is not that we would all agree theologically, but that we would come to a place of unity because of an experience. The same is true in, I, I was thinking as, about this, that you know, one of the gentlemen in our church, uh, Tommy Acosta, uh, he does a wonderful job ministering to um, Vietnam vets, really all vets. Vietnam vets, though, probably the best. You know why? Because he is a Vietnam vet. He's experienced it. And where I may be able to sit and talk to a Vietnam vet, we're still going to have a little bit of difference because we haven't experienced the same thing. But when you experience something with someone, there's a commonality that causes you to be close together. This, of course, is a big part of God's plan for Pentecost. But to understand the plan, you've got to take a step back. And this is kind of the grow piece. We need to look at the precursor to Pentecost. The precursor to Pentecost was the first time in the scripture where we see the miracle of language. In Genesis chapter 11, known as the Tower of Babel. 
very interesting things are said in that portion of scripture that I want us to get. You know, when, when, God, when, when God created man, they all spoke the same language. They, uh, when the flood happened, they spoke the same language. But over time, humanity just grew in its, in its uh, desire for evil. Desiring to, scripture say things like, they, they were going to build a city. So it starts out, they were going to build a city for themselves. Whenever man has man's vision for themselves, then we have to be careful because that can begin to move us away from God's plan, God's purpose. But it goes on, it talks that they, that they wanted to make, it's just going to be hard for some of you to imagine. Scripture says this, way, this thousands of years ago, man wanted to make a name for themselves. Is that weird? No, it's not weird. There's a, there's, a, there's a prideful, sinful side of us that wants to make a name for ourselves. We're going to make a mark. We're going, to, we're going to leave a legacy. What's also interesting is it really not only showed their, their vision and it kind of showed their mission, but really their motive was all driven out of fear. Their fear was that they were going to be scattered everywhere. And so they became fully devoted to self. And in being so fully devoted to self, this is, when I get to heaven, I've got to ask God about these moments where the, these kinds of things. I've got to go down and see what they're doing, God says. Who sees all things all the time at one time. He makes that statement, I've got to go down there. Because God understands the incredible ability that he has given every human being that has been made in his image. When that image is attempted to be uh, developed outside of God's plan and purpose, when it becomes all about self, then he tends to step in. And that's what he does at Tower of Babel. They get up one morning, and maybe one household speaks Spanish, and one household speaks Swahili. Another, another household speaks English. And not only can they speak it, they can fully understand it. Because God put a stop to them being all about them. That's important. Because God uses the miracle of language to get men to stop being all about themselves. And so the nations began to scatter. That which they feared came upon them. And so in God's great wisdom, in God's ability, he then brings back to a moment where he uses the miracle of language. But make no mistake, even today, Man is trying to get back to a place where there is oneness, where the world would be as one, where if we devoted ourselves to the same kind of thing, the same vision, the same mission, that we wouldn't have to live fearful, scattered lives. I was just came across this this week, and I just thought, uh, while it's, it's certainly not evil, it's very cool in man's attempt to change what God did at the Tower of Babel, and it's a short video.
let's start it over and let's make sure the volume's on, guys. So this was, uh, this was presented at Google's, um, their technology um, forum. We have volume? My mother speaks Mandarin, and I speak English, which is a strange thing. We'd love to be able to share with you a new prototype we've been working on. You should be seeing what I'm saying, just transcribed for you in real time, kind of like subtitles for the world. On is technology that enables us to break down language barriers. Taking years of research and Google Translate and bringing that to glasses. Do you see me? Oh, see, si, see, si Terrell. Oh, I'm actually looking straight into your eyes, and it seems like you're looking right at me. Making access to information just instant and intuitive. By doing that, technology fades into the background, and we're more connected with the people and the things around us. My mother speaks Mandarin, and I speak English, which is a strange... That's pretty cool, huh? It is an amazing day we live in, but make no mistake, all it is is man's attempt to undo the miracle of language that God did at Tower of Babel. Because the world is moving toward a oneness, a one leader, a one religious system, a one financial system, because the world's system, sin, evil, wants it to be all about self. But in God's plan, in God's plan for redemptive history, he separates at Tower of Babel and then he unites at Pentecost. And the beautiful thing is, is that that which God did at Tower of Babel is going to remain forever. Revelation says that, that um, in chapter 7, it says, before him was this multitude that had no count, that was every nation, tribe, people, and language. Now, I don't know if that means we have universal translators. I don't know what that means for us being able to understand one another. But God did a beautiful miracle at Babel. And then he continues to do at Pentecost and will be fully formed and experienced throughout all of eternity. And so I want to take just a few minutes in closing this all out today, talking about the people of Pentecost. Because when you, when you look at the people of Pentecost, you find some interesting dynamics that we can relate to and go, okay, well, I can see myself there. First of all, Jerusalem was filled with devout believers of God. Every nation had come because it was Pentecost. They wanted to come and give God their due. They wanted to come and experience all the blessings associated with being part of God's children. The disciples, they were devout as well. They were seeking Jesus and everybody else was seeking after God. And so 
in this, in this beauty of the miracle of language, you have people who had a shared, or they, sh they shared the same God. So when Paul writes in, in 1 Corinthians, he says, he says uh, tongues are not for the believer in the context of a group, but for the unbeliever. That's what he says. Why? Because, because when you have an unbeliever that has an honest, sincere desire to know God, they don't need to be theologically brought into the kingdom. They need to experience a God that is alive and active, a God who likes to show himself to be real in the moment. So when a person hears somebody speaking in an unknown tongue, it causes them to be amazed or confused or begin to wonder what this could be. And so what does it do? It becomes this opportunity. Because whether, whether it is being done in them or experienced around them, they are sharing the same miracle. One of the things that has grieved my heart for the assemblies of God, that's the only one I'm going to speak to over the years, is that the assemblies of God, which was started out of Pentecost, that believed that, that God was anointing people to go and, and transform their circle of influence that caused missionaries to leave everything behind so that they could go to parts of the world that they didn't even know the language, believing that God would show up miraculously so that they could share the gospel. Now, we've taken and privatized our miraculous ability to speak in tongues so much so that it doesn't even happen in life groups or in church services across America. That saddens me. Because every time you speak in tongues, yes, you're edified. You're edified because the Spirit's doing something in you, but something else is edifying you. You're recognizing that the miraculous God is doing a miracle in you in that moment. And so for those of you that have trivialized or thought that, that speaking in tongues is not a big deal, it's a constant reminder that God is already doing the miraculous in you. He's already doing the miraculous through you. So given the opportunity in the circle of influence, now you're able to go, well, if God's already doing that, what else will he do? It becomes a launching point. It becomes a place where our confidence in a miraculous God being involved in our life begins to grow. And so we say, yes, 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 more and more and more. Ultimately, we, like them, ultimately they share the same plan. Because God begins to miraculously bring such diversity around one unique experience that it doesn't matter if they are from Africa or they're from Asia or South America or North America, we can say we share in this plan of God bringing languages back together. And so what happens is we take this miraculous, and then we go like they did, because those 3,000 didn't stay in Jerusalem. They went back to their places of where they lived, and they were able to reach their circle of influence because that they understood that the God that did miracles was doing miracles in them through the miracle of language. And so they were unafraid and unashamed to share the gospel of Jesus Christ from a platform that very simply says, 
God is moving. God is active. One of the, one of the things that I think that, that American Christians can learn is that we don't need to be too quick to give an answer other than let's give Jesus an opportunity to work. Let's watch what Jesus will do because Jesus loves to show up and show off. How do we know that? Because he does it through the miracle of language. Every day in your life, in my life, if you allow the miracle of language to move through you, you are making a statement to yourself and those around you that you believe that God is a miraculous God. And that is all part of his plan of Pentecost. But we have to allow him to take down theological walls. We have to, we have to um, allow the Lord to take... Now, track with me. I started off by saying it's very hard for me. We have to allow the Lord to say, uh, I'll take down your wall of, of insecurity because of your introvertness or whatever it is. Let me take that wall down. So we can, he can begin to work in us and through us. But we got to ask him to do that. We have, to, we have to ultimately do like the disciples did. They said, it's not our agenda here. It's his agenda. And so we want to be about his business. Now, that does not mean that you leave here and you begin to seek after speaking in tongues. Don't do that. I love the way Ryota brought it out a couple weeks ago. You don't seek the gift. You seek the giver. The giver is Jesus. Man baptizes with water, but Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And so we come to him, and this, this may be you this week. Lord, I come to you. Would you baptize me in the miraculous? Would you baptize me in the miraculous? And then as he enables, you just begin to speak it. You receive what he has to say, and then you just say it. Okay, let me finish with this, and then we're going to pray. Can we show you how that works, the enablement works? One more way. How many of you know the Apache language here? Okay. I'm going to give you a, an Apache word. You ready? Dosh King. Say it. All I did was enable you. Say it again. Dosh King. You have no idea what that means. I'm glad I learned because it means white guy. And when, when, you're, when your missionaries on the Apache reservation and people are saying that word, you tend to, ears tend to perk up because there's not a lot of you around. But all I did was enable you. I didn't take control of your tongue. I didn't take control of your body. I just enabled you. And that's exactly how the Holy Spirit enables us to speak with other tongues. And so, Father, we come and we say yes and amen to your plan for Pentecost. Boy, if you want to be part of that plan, just take your hands out before the Lord and say, Lord, I, I want to be part of that plan. Lord, I want to be plan, part of that plan where you unite the nations around the miracle of language. And Lord, there's a lot of different ways that looks. And Lord, we just trust that, Lord, you will use it in the manner that you desire. That, Lord, you would come and you would enable us, Lord, to be able to have the miraculous happen in our lives every day. So that, Lord, we are constantly reminded that, Lord, you are still in the miracle-working 
business. Lord, I pray that you will take down walls. And if this is you, I just, just confess it to the Lord. Help me take it down. I can, Lord, for the walls that are theological walls that, Lord, we have tried to smart our way into the power. Lord, I pray that those walls would come down. I pray the walls would come down that, that, that we have stepped back and we've looked at other people who were different on us. And, and maybe they were a little, a little weird in their expression. And so, Lord, we threw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Lord, we say, Lord, that, Lord, it's your personality. It's the Spirit of God working, and we want you to work in us. And so, Lord, those, those walls that we put up that, that said they, they, were, they were people that really were kind of walking around like they were drunk, and we don't want to be like that. We want to be dignified, and we don't, want to, we don't want anybody to think that we're weird. We don't want to perplex. Lord, forgive us for that. We say yes and amen to your plan of Pentecost, and we want to step into it so that, Lord, we might receive and go to our circle of influence and see lives transformed through the power of the gospel as they, they stand in awe and wonder at the miraculous God that we serve. Lord, we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. But if you agreed with that in any place, say amen. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.